We are Victim of Illusion, you are listening to the tall, friendly, Atheist Dead podcast. And the next 30 seconds are brought to you by our album Invisible Light, available at our Bandcamp website. So far from lies and hypocrisy Hello, my name is Damien, the tall, friendly atheist dad and host of the tall, friendly atheist dad podcast. Greetings from Australia to wherever you are in the world, whatever time of day it is and whatever you happen to be doing. I hope you're well. It's a pleasure to have with me my old sparring partner, my old buddy, almost literally from the other side of the world, Lewis Ungert. Lewis Ungert, how are you? Hey, I'm doing good. How are you doing, Damien? <laughs> Fantastic for a sun- for a, well, at the time of recording a Sunday morning. <laughs> <laughs> down, yeah, down here, in, yeah. down here in sunny Melbourne. I don't know when I'll release this episode, but yeah, well, right now it is. It's not too, it's not too hot at the moment, but given it's, uh, we're in, it's twenty two degrees at the moment, but it's going to get to about thirty two. And yeah, definitely shorts and t shirt weather. But no, I just thought, um, thank you for uh, coming on, having a, an impromptu chat. Um, it just seems that you know you and I can frequently collide and spar, and we even sometimes agree. Strangely yeah, enough, yeah. as well, <laughs> well Lewis. But, um, but yeah, no, I wanted to have a brief chat with you first. Uh, one of the topics that we have been discussing has been the idea of a global flood. And I yeah. think the, the last uh, you, I think our, our recent argument was that what would it take for me to accept evidence of, the, of, of a global flood? And one of the things I raised was both a genetic and a cultural bottleneck. So the okay. idea is that, so let's say you do have a global flood that has killed a very large percentage of humanity. Um, if, if you accept the, the biblical interpretation, there were only eight people left. But in some other in some other retellings of this uh, of the story, you know, either more people or less people survive. But okay. from what one of the yeah. things I take as evidence against the flood is that we don't see a either a cultural or a genetic bottleneck. Now, what say you to that, Lewis? Well, so I I think from a cultural standpoint. So just in fair disclosure to your audience, um, mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of Christians are young Earth creationists, so they believe the world is. Would roughly actually, so, so, I'm, I'm, I'm going to counter yeah. you on that. Would you say a lot yeah. are? Um, so a lot of vocal ones are. I don't uh, know yeah, what percentage true. of the church is, but like when you typically go online, you know, it's funny. Uh, we've talked about this in the past with atheists, but and there's a certain type of person that you often come across that says they're an online atheist. And I think the mm. same is true for Christians. Right. And a lot, lot of those people end up being young earth creationists. I, it's probably not a giant percentage of the of the Christian church as a whole, mm-hmm. but it's in terms of vocalness online, it's a decent. Uh, I, I, I will, I will agree with you on that. Yeah. If you, if you jump on, if, if you jump online, it's more like the, the, the very strident, very in your face kind who are the, uh, yes. <laughs> who, who, who yeah, are the so, creationists. So uh, what I was saying is I am, I'm not 
I don't fall in that category. So mm-hmm. I'm open. I'm open to. I I think the Bible's non-specific in terms of age of the earth, and yeah. I'm open to um, Noah potentially being much further lo- further back in history than. Mm-hmm we typically would give uh, credit for. So yeah. now because with that being you, said, because you recently yeah. had a chat with uh, Apollo Jedi. Yes, I did. On, yep. on this topic. A- uh, he's, he's, he's a, he, I call him a buddy uh, as well. Um, and I was very interested in the way, uh, and uh, Apollo Jedi's thing is that he is a pre, uh, a creationist literal. Well, he calls, he calls himself a contextualist. I probably say he's more of a literalist, but anyway, that's a, but he's a presuppositionalist mm-hmm. where he assumes a, as close to literal as reasonable interpretation of the Bible. Yes. Yeah. Is, is the way I read it. Yes. Very, very literal, um, taking of, everything and therefore very young earth ish um Mm -hmm. with regards to the bible um and um i did have a discussion with him i made the case that i think the bible is non-specific on that and allows us to not be as um fixed in terms of when things happen so i'm totally open to noah being ten thousand years ago or however Mm -hmm. long long back and um so when I look at the question of, um, so I, I think there's a few things um, for when it comes to culture bottlenecks and genetic bottlenecks. Um, I do think that whenever we're talking about distant past, um, there should be a certain level of humility with regards to what we think we know. And I think that mm-hmm. the the best people in science would say that as well as they like there's there's some certain things that hey we think we can conclude but you know you know every once in a while you hear new scientific discovery oh this happened way at a completely different time than we thought it did or Uh, whatever so you know that's that's not a rare thing for for things to be rearranged so with that in mind um when i look at like the genetic bottleneck question um i do think number one a little bit of kind of scientific humility um and understanding that we don't necessarily know everything with regards to when it happened where but i will say even atheists agree that there is that the original human beings were you know a relatively small group of people maybe not eight people maybe a thousand or a few thousand people but i think you would agree that humanity didn't evolve out of um, multiple locations throughout the world. You know, it evolved out of one particular area at one particular time. And it wasn't, we're not talking about millions of humans somehow evolving simultaneously. We're talking about um, a relatively small group of people. Would you agree with that? Or uh, To a point, yes, and to a point, no. Um, I now, how can I say, I haven't, 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 studied this in in a great depth and i do rely on uh those who have studied it to uh, inform my opinion on but it does seem that uh the current species of uh of human which are homo sapiens did seem to originate in africa and basically from there people then spread out into different climates into different uh different racial groups uh, into very far-flung locations, uh, and particularly at a time when land bridges were uh, fairly common as well, which is how you know people got got, got across uh, got across the world, got across continents, uh, that, that kind of stuff. But one of the things you have to realise is that evolution happens to populations, not individuals. 
and so the the current uh, the current species of Homo sapiens, which is what we are, are a descendant of a previous of a previous species that was at one time the latest in the evolutionary line of this uh, of, of descendants. And if I'm not if I'm not mistaken, that was Homo heidelbergensis, or um, no, no, Australopithecus came before Homo's. Uh, just trying to, I, forget, I forget exactly which one that um, that human that Homo sapiens came from, but it was either Homo uh, Homo erectus or Homo heidelbergensis. Sure. But I oh. I do but I do I do see sense mm. in the. Uh, in the theory of Africa being the being being the the home of life, the home of uh, of uh, yeah of, of human life. Sure, sure. Okay, so um, I should note. So I want to say something. I am not a genetic expert, so I can't necessarily speak to mm-hmm. how how much we know about this or how sure we are of this. I will say I've done some reading. I've read. Yeah. Richard Dawkins um, on this subject, and I've read um, Christian responses to it, yep, including yep. William Lane Craig and that kind of stuff. So I um, I don't know for sure, but I do know that it sounds like both listening to atheists and listening to Christians that genetically it does appear to have some sort of bottleneck at some point in time. Um, way back when there's, I, you've probably heard of the mitochondrial Eve, where there's a particular yeah, I, person that 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 yeah, um, I was, I was that saying, is have, related to all of, humans. Yeah, I have yeah. heard of that. I don't know. I don't know either way about that. So if you whatever okay. you whatever you quote to me about that, I'm just going to go. Uh huh. Uh-huh, I, I, yeah. I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what, the, what, mito- what, mitochondrial Eve, just so your audience knows, you go for is it. there. There's um, and I know almost nothing about this, so I'm going to I'm going to say it to the best of my knowledge. I could be Mm -hmm. wrong, Um, but I I think and again, everything I'm quoting here is kind of atheist assumptions, and I'm not necessarily agreeing with any of this, but I'm saying this is what kind of if you talk to a scientist that has no Christian leanings, this is typically what they would say. And mitochondrial Eve is the the most recent human um that all living humans are thought to have descended from so that doesn't necessarily mean that um she was the first woman or you know she was a literal eve but just we all have some kind of genetic tie Mm -hmm. to that woman um and you know in my mind that at least speaks on some level to a bottleneck in the genetic code um obviously um many people would say, well, we're not all related to necessarily one man. We're, you know, like it might not have the same, you would think if it was the Noah story, there'd be the same genetics through a man or whatever. And um, I, I don't know enough about it to say what the evidence is for that, what the counter would be to that. Um, Other than to say, I do think that some humility is warranted um, when it comes to these things and that new discoveries happen all the time. And, Mm -hmm tomorrow we could find something completely different um but with all that being said um my general statement to you in terms of like the bottleneck is i would say even from an atheist standpoint you would agree there's some level of bottleneck right like and there's at least some small group of people um and you know who knows maybe they invited a few extra people on the boat or whatever that don't make the the narrative um servants or whatever who who knows but like Mm. i i think I think that that in my mind, um, 
the um the specifics of that don't bother me as much as what i would say is to answer your question on the noah story is like the here's the case for the flood yeah. so the case for the flood is there is an, an amazing even again reading secular sources there's there's amazing period of time in say 10,000 years ago i believe it's roughly 10,000 years ago where there was dramatic flooding globally like we find evidence of in north america find evidence of in africa find an evidence in europe um so now there's obviously this there's we haven't explored the entire world and we don't know everything everywhere yeah. and there's places where it's clearer and places where it's not as clear um but i would say there's even from a secular standpoint there's general agreement that there was this period or this moment in history whether it was on one day or separated by years you know that's not particularly clear but i would say there's evidence of a global flood globally now whether you know like i said when you think about things happening this is where like humility comes in is like is we can't date things to the day right so we can't say oh there's there's evidence of a flood in in western north america and in africa and in europe and they were all in the same general time period we can't say did they happen in the same 40-day period or did they happen in different 40-day periods or whatever like we can't really answer that question but there's some evidence of it right so i think that's an interesting point so you know talking about the genetic bottleneck talking about archaeological evidence i would say that's there now the other thing that i posted on my twitter that i think you um commented on and kind of got our conversation started was the other um question that you mentioned was this cultural uh Mm. bottleneck and I think that it is amazing when it comes to the flood story that every culture you go around the world, there's so many different examples of these flood stories. Many of them are very similar. So like one of the crazy things about North America is the Mesoamericans, like the Aztecs and the Mayans and the Incas, they have Mm -hmm. a flood story Mm -hmm. and it's amazingly similar. I mean, it's different, but it's amazingly similar to what we had, um, coming out of the Jewish tradition and, and the Babylonian traditions um, are, it's amazing, similarly similar there. So um, there's a lot of different touch points around the world. So in my mind, like if to circle back and kind of sum all this evidence up, like I would say, if there was a flood, a global flood, a long, long time ago, um, you would expect there to be some kind of memory of that globally. You would expect people from all around the world to kind of remember that. Obviously, stuff gets lost when you don't have uh, written traditions. You start to lose memories. You you know, people wars happen. Um, I mean, the truth is, is like in many ways the there's there's um, some of the most important history that's ever happened. We've lost because people didn't write it down. Um, the people that were responsible for carrying it orally, et cetera, lost it. And with all that being said, if all this happened 10,000 years ago, which is more than recorded history, I mean, the oldest recorded history we have is 6,000 years ago. um, It would be amazing if somehow people kept a memory of that and people did, right? So like if, if it happened, you would expect some archaeological evidence. We have that. You would expect some living memory of it in all peoples around the world. Some indication of that, right? The genetic bottleneck, I mean, there appears to be some sort of genetic bottleneck, whether, you know, like that, that's the one that's, I guess, more debatable or I have less evidence for. But like, I feel like when I put all that together, I'm like, I, 
I think there's a case to be made here. And I think okay. it's so I, you know, I think it's 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 certainly not something I would say this is going to convert Damien, right? Like, I don't, I don't like, it's not evidence like that, but I do think like when people say, Oh, the Noah story must be false because of blah, blah, blah. I'm like, actually it, I don't think it's true. I think the evidence as a whole seems somewhat convincing to me um, that some sort of big flood happened globally. And there was some, that knowledge of that was passed through the history and maybe it was 10,000 years ago. Like, I, I think that's possible. And I think it's certainly, um, there's at least some evidence to support that. So, hey, Lewis, can I have my show back? <laughs> I'm sorry, <laughs> <laughs> I I went on a long long I, rant there, but I, I got no, it all out. So you say what you want to say. Yeah. Now, but, uh, <laughs> no, good, good. No, no, I appreciate that you've thought long and hard, and uh, you're you can put it so eloquently. And uh, yeah, whoever's listening, yeah, that's uh, that's Lewis's non-creationist point point of view, and uh, yeah. Um, okay, so one of the uh, one of the most common examples of genetic bottlenecking is in cheetahs. So the African uh, the African cheetah, what they found was that the uh, the African cheetah got down to about eight thousand, uh, a population of eight thousand, and from that from the population of eight thousand, then. Um, yeah, they can they can tell from today's numbers and from the genetics of today that there'll definitely uh, definitely a genetic bottleneck and inbreeding and all all that kind of stuff. However, in humans we don't see that definite bottleneck, and this is with uh, and so so using the most using one of the most prominent examples of uh, a, of a highly reproducing mammal such as the cheetah, if they can get down to eight thousand. And show show a bottleneck, then you know, either there was no genetic bottleneck, or more than eight thousand people survived the global flood. Uh, assuming there was a global flood that yeah, at the same time, um, then more than eight eight thousand people survived it. So that's uh, that is on the on the on the genetic bottleneck. Um, I, I can't say too much. Again, I'm not a I'm not a geneticist. I'm only reading from what you know, the various sources I've uh, yeah, I, I intake. But yeah, we don't quite we don't see that definite bottleneck that happened in in cheetahs and and, and other mammals. Um, regarding the archaeological evidence. The problem is, is that the the stories are so disparate that if you try to put them all together, the only things that you have in common are that there are humans and that there is water. Um, in some instances, uh, one deity gives a warning. In some instances, multiple deities give a warning. In some instances, there's no warning. In the biblical account, it is one man who has his family. In other accounts, it's one man who is suffering punishment from the gods. In another account, or one of the things in one of the ancient Chinese accounts, they actually dig ditches and and canals to channel the water away to thwart the gods' plans to wipe out human civilization. So if there is a, 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 I suppose, a cultural memory, the problem is, is that they're, they're so disparate as to be wholly irreconcilable, except down to the very basics that there are humans and there are water, uh, and water is involved. 
And to me, the the problem is is that the, this is what we find in all cultures is that every um, every culture has humans and it has water, and so it's. I suppose the other the other thing is is that every every culture really only knew of the world as far as they uh, as they understood it. So, for example, the Mesoamerican people had no knowledge of of Australia. And likewise, the people in Papua New Guinea would have had no un, no knowledge of the people in England. So, for them to say it was a for, to say it was a global flood because each culture has a has has a, a mimetic idea of a flood. You know what's not to say that. What's not to say that every culture had at least one large-scale flood that wiped out a whole lot of uh, a whole lot of people? They all happened at various times, and so when we put this patchwork of this patchwork of stories together, it just becomes so. Yeah, it's. Like I said like the, the only thing to me is common is humans and 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 water. Um, and the other thing I would expect with a cultural bottleneck is why not? Why haven't other stories also carried across? So let's say, for example, the idea of disbursement from Africa, or you know, um, comets coming down, or you know, um, dinosaurs, or, or, or stuff like that. You know, it just seems to be. Um, was to say like it, it's just, it just seems weird that. The only thing that seems to have carried across is the idea of a global flood, not um, not the idea of being dispersed. Um, I know. Well, in, in, I know in the Bible you have the you have the story of the Tower of Babel, which explains how um, which explains how the culture, different cultural group so different cultural groups came about. But surely, mm. if there was something is as catastrophic as being forced to migrate then why wasn't that also part of the collective cultural memory okay um so don't you think like how many good histories do we have from ten thousand years ago right so let's say ten thousand years ago the egyptians um, i'd say the, the um, egyptians have a well we don't have history from ten thousand years ago with the egyptians i think their latest their furthest theirs goes back is like five or six thousand mm. definitely doesn't go back ten thousand years so mm. we don't have know, anything i've, I've, from I've read stuff that would i've read stuff that would counter that i know they i know they are one of the most preserved uh, most well-preserved cultures that we from from the ancient times that we have that we can study yeah we definitely do not have ten thousand years ago the the oldest um that so egypt in as far back as it goes is roughly five at, at the most six thousand years ago but um we don't have good narratives from ten thousand years ago we just don't know what happened right and i think that one of the things that happens with any kind of oral history when you don't have things written down is it does over generation after generation after generation it you know it's that game of telephone thing where it does take on slightly different tellings slightly mm -hmm. different stories matches with you know it's you get a new you know that uh we conquer your land your land has one god we have a different god we kind of mesh the two stories together we <laughs> change the god that's in charge of it or we we have a different attitude towards escaping and we so we modify the myth a little bit so um the the 
you know, what I, I think it, it shouldn't surprise us that even a real history that happened 10,000 years ago, it shouldn't surprise us that it is different where you see this pop up. But I don't think it's good for us to emphasize the differences. I think what should be shocking is the is the similarities, uh, right? So the, the differences are expected, but what are the chances that you come to Mesoamerica and you have a very similar story where the gods warn the person ahead of time and they do something similar on the, the uh, approach? And what are the chances that, you know, in the Hindu culture and, and in the Japanese culture, in so many of these cultures, you you know, you emphasize some of the differences. There's a ton of similarities between a lot of these stories, often with big global flood, righteous person warned ahead of time by the gods. Like that's a very common theme um, throughout. But it's also, very, it's also a very common theme in religion that the gods uh, that the gods and humans contend with each other as well. So, so the idea that the gods warn people or the gods send the flood as punishment that is also a, how can I say, that, I suppose what, what I'm trying to say is like, I, I see the idea of localized flood events being, I suppose, assuming these localized flood events happened um, to explain certain cultural values or, or, or myth theme within, within their, their culture. Um, again, like if you, if you break it down to the, what's similar, the only thing that's really similar is water and and humans because in some in someone in in some versions of the flood there's no animals involved and some there are in some it's yeah, not a boat the, in some it's a canoe it's if you take if you say i'm going to take every single flood myth and anything that's not 100% the same in all of them i'm going to throw out you're right but what i would say is the similarities in a lot of them are striking and amazing. Right. Okay. So like, yep. I, I, th I think that, and, and also from people that didn't have a connection, right. The, the, the Mesoamericans should not have been talking with the Hebrews, right. You would expect, okay, Babylon had their myth and the Hebrew one, they, the, the Hebrews had their story. You would expect those, maybe they talked to each other, right? Like maybe there was a, a, a one copied off the well, other yeah. or whatever, right? Um, but you wouldn't expect that with the Mesoamericans. You wouldn't expect that with the Hindus or the Japanese. And it's like, how did they get that story? Like, what, like why is there? So I, I think that um, in, in my mind, the, the similarities shouldn't be downplayed. Like there's, like there's similarities that are common in a lot of these, not a hundred percent of them, but common in a lot of these that I think are significant and can't be very easily dismissed. Okay. There'll be the two final points I want to make about, uh, about this global flight idea that, uh, then we'll go to the next topic. Uh, by that logic, then Lewis, we should also expect to see winged horses because in many ancient cultures, they had the idea of, of, wing, of winged horses. So you had the Greeks who had, I think it was the centaur. You had uh, Islam with the, with the, the al-Burak that Muhammad flew in his night journey. Uh, the angel Gabriel also had, also had a winged horse. I think there was a couple of other, there was a couple of other cultures that had, uh, that had winged horses as well. So mm -hmm. can we then not argue that because all these different cultures had ideas of winged horses, therefore winged horses existed. 
Um, you're not going to like my answer on this, but my answer is I tend to take those sorts of religious experiences and take them at their word. So in other words, I would say it is very possible that there's some sort of heavenly being or interdimensional spirit of some sort that I, that could be real, that would take, so it, it may be that when we die or whatever, like it, maybe we see that, you know, so like, I, I'm not, I don't necessarily dismiss that. Um, I, I, so I, I do think if that's true and you know more about it than me, apparently, cause I'm, I, I don't know all that, but if that's true, I would say that's an interesting thing. And it's, it, okay. I would say may, maybe people are seeing the same thing no. from in some, some kind of uh, religious state. So. No, and the last thing I'll say is that if there was a, now, I did do some very basic numbers uh, some time back. I think it was last year. I think it was about October last year. I did a like a, a live stream mumbling to myself about about the about the flood. And what I what I worked out with some very basic calculations was that for a uh, a global flood of two meters high, you need roughly eight hundred times the amount of water that is currently on Earth to provide that two meter global flood coverage. And then if you wanted to do a flood up to the top of Mount Everest, I think Mount Everest is about 8.9 kilometers high. If you wanted to do a global flood up to the top of Mount Everest, you needed about 3.1 million times the amount of water that is currently on Earth today. So, so, so if there was a a global flood that involved almost a thousand times the amount of water on Earth today, uh, as per the United States Geological Survey, so that so the the, the numbers I based my calculations off was off of the United States Geolog Geological Survey. Um, where did all this water go, and why have we been left with so little? Well, um, so I got a, a lot of answers to this question. Number one, I would say all that assumes that the continents and the oceans look the way they do. Um, if you uh, made the no, ocean, not, very... we, we, we're not talking about the way they look. We're talking about the amount of water on Earth. Well, what I'm saying is if you made the Earth a smooth ball, um, so in other words, flatten the oceans and flatten oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. the But continents. you kind of have to, you have, uh, to, have, to have some right. assumptions in the calculations, right. but yes, I agree. Right, right. Yeah, yeah. So so one thing is that that depends a little bit on current geography. Um, then the other thing I would say is, um, do you, in your opinion, and uh, this question is also an answer, but in your opinion, well, thank you. Um, would you view if if it turned out that um we had if we could find a video camera from the great flood and there was a videotape of it and we filmed the whole thing and in the background the peak of uh mount everest never went underwater would you say that would disprove the bible uh no because um there there are oh, so it, get, get, getting technical because it does say in the biblical account that all of the all of the mountains uh, were covered. However, it is possible that depending on the time frame, that uh, like we know one of the reasons Mount Everest is so high is because of the the continental plates in the Himalayas keep on pushing together and pushing all the mountains up. And uh, so, if this if this flood happened X thousand years ago when Everest was a lot lower down, then you don't need nine kilometers of water. You might only need seven kilometers of water or, or something. I suppose then, if there was a video camera and 
we could conclusively like let's say it was legit then i suppose what i to make to make acceptance of that more comfortable i would need to see some sort of model explanation of where all the water went and why we've been left with such a minuscule percentage of water left on earth well let me just clarify my question Uh, what i was saying is if if it turned out that the story of Noah was correct, mm-hmm. except for a little bit of land was showing. Oh, okay, yeah. yeah. Otherwise, yeah. So that was my point. Was, oh, okay. Would that somehow, in your mind, say, "Oh, well, the Bible's fake"? Then, like, it's not true. In my mind, it wouldn't. Like, I, I don't, I, I do think I agree that the narrative kind of sounds like the entire Earth is covered, and maybe it was, yeah. but I don't think if a little bit of mountains here and there was still sticking oh, above the water. No, no. I don't, for, don't for me, think that would disprove. For me story. the biggest for me the biggest issues are the genetic uh genetic culture genetic and cultural bottlenecks but also the fact that because there's so much water around uh we would die from all the humidity in the air. Yeah, I would say in my mind the best ar- argument against it is probably the genetic argument and that's also the one i know least about (laughs) i i just can't debate that one necessarily not because i don't think there's a good answer but i just don't know the answer no that's cool and this is this is why we have these chats so we can so we can be honest with each other and we're not here to score points we're just here to have a have a friendly discussion this is i think i think this is how interfaith discussion should be not gotchas not you know jumping down people's throats it's just you know this is what i believe this is what you believe and all that kind of stuff. Um, Joe Rogan keeps on making the news for for better or worse. Yeah. Um, tell me what you understand about the Joe Rogan and the Spotify situation. Right. So Joe Rogan uh, has. Well, actually, just, uh, sorry, Lewis. I'm going to stop you there. Uh, for anyone who doesn't know, yeah. Lewis is of the of the opinion that corporations are bad for society. I think this is something that he makes in his book, The Emperor's The Emperor Has No Clothes. Uh, is it still available yes. for free, Lewis? It is available for okay, free. Available for free. Um, just go so, to my so, website, lewisungut.com. So, no worries. Yeah. And so Lewis does have a, an interest in how corporations affect society, which is why I'm throwing over to him for this for this topic. Yeah, good. Well, thanks. Um, yeah, so Joe Rogan took a giant contract from Spotify, $100 million or something oh, like that, and yeah. um, big money for him. Um, but he has predictably run into all sorts of problems with um, this. He's fairly against the vaccine at least for young healthy people (laughs) and um then recently he got the scandal where he had used the n-word um in various times in the past Mm -hmm. he kind of apologized for the vaccine and then he very much apologized for the n-word recently and now it's kind of defense mode for spotify um i totally agree with you uh that the implications of him working for a corporation are not small implications. They, well, they, actually, that's Lewis, clearly can I, a, can, I, sure. can I pause you there? I don't think he right. actually works for Spotify. From my understanding, it's a licensing agreement. Yeah, no, that's that's true. Um, I and I was using that word kind of loosely. Oh, okay, okay, and that, yeah, that yeah. He he is getting a lot of money from Spotify. Oh, indeed, indeed yes, to, to, to exclusively <laughs> produce content for Spotify. <clears throat> yes, yeah. So he's getting a lot of money from them, and therefore he's taking a lot of. He's got a lot of the pressure that they have is also on him. And mm-hmm. I, th- I think one of the things that I think is a, um, a drawback to corporations is that um, when you are um, dependent on and responsible to kind of faceless stockholders, you can't really make the choice to lose money for the purpose of doing the right thing. So 
regardless of what your views on Joe Rogan are or what you think the right thing is, let's say Spotify came to the conclusion that yes, they should keep Joe Rogan in the interest of free speech and let mm-hmm. him be on the, the network or let him be on the Spotify. Um, they, because of the institution of the corporation, they can't do that. Like they have to do what's right for the stockholders. So what it ends up doing is kind of creating sociopathic net, uh, behavior where corporations no longer look out for what's the right thing to do. And they start looking out for what is the most profitable thing to do in this situation. (laughs) And I think in this case, it's going to create enough pressure on Spotify where eventually they drop Joe Rogan. Like, I think that's going to happen. That's my prediction um, is that, that eventually they're going to drop him. Now, what is my personal opinion of Joe Rogan is I think it's complete garbage accusations. I think you should be able to discuss the vaccine regardless of what your opinion is. Mm -hmm. And I think you should be able to have people on. He's actually, if you listen to his show, he's had people that are pro-vaccine, people that are anti-vaccine. So it's not, he's not like this guy that's only doing one thing. And the N-word thing is even stupider where he is very against racism. He's never been racist as long as he's had that show. The only time he used that word was quoting other people or talking about the word as a word. He never was like calling black people the N-word or anything like that. So that whole argument is ridiculous. And so anyway, the whole thing, like if, if, if I own Spotify, I of course would not get rid of them, but unfortunately they're owned by a, a giant corporation that, um, is probably going to get rid of them eventually. Okay. That would be my so, guess. So, so part of the part of the Joe Rogan uh, controversy was that Neil Young, uh, him who was famous, oh geez, I reckon fifty years ago, uh, he yeah. basically demanded Spotify pull his music from their streaming services over yep. the fact that Joe Rogan isn't towing the isn't towing the line, you know, about yeah. mandates and vaccines and all all, all, all that kind of stuff. Now I, I haven't listened to uh, I I listened to clips of Joe Rogan, but I I wouldn't say I'm across everything he says, but I I think we need as a society we need to handle contrary opinions a lot better than than what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. this is this is stupid. Where <laughs> you know if you say something even slightly negative against the vaccine, then you are. Yeah, you're you're seen as this right wing tinfoil hat conspiracy theorist. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. but I'm also of the opinion that people should cop their lumps as well. If yep. Joe Rogan says something stupid and dumb, then he should be rightly criticised. If he says something smart and brilliant, then he should he should be lauded. But I don't think one of the things I think corporations suffer. And I think you you touched on this was the fact that they're in a way beholden to the bottom line. And yep. part of the bottom line is affected by by opinion. If you look at the at the stock market, you know, like you, you'll see, you know, it, almost every month or something that some sort of jitter, some sort of fear, some sort of fear about something causes the stock market to go down. Like that yeah. thing may not have happened, but it's the fear of that thing going, that right. thing yeah. happening. Yeah. That, yeah. And so yeah, and so sometimes all you need is a a very very how can I say very active presence on Twitter to put yeah pressure on a and it's like no I and what yeah one, and one of the things I talk about in my book is that the the left is much better at pressuring corporations so what you oft almost always see is corporations 
uh, at least publicly going left, right? Yes. So like yeah. the right is bad at boycotting, pressuring, using, you know, uh, Congress and, you know, like they're just bad at, at putting pressure on corporations. So as a kind of a safe way to go, corporations almost always publicly put a left-leaning face on, right? So they publicly say that they're for you know, Black Lives Matter and and uh, the LGBT movement, and just publicly, that's what they do. Um, now, in in reality, they don't care about either side. I mean, they're no, like no, I said, they're so. sociopathic. They're just about money. But publicly, that's the stance they typically take, which is why I think Spotify is going to probably back off Joe Rogan. Oh, and uh, and honestly, I think Joe Rogan will probably do fine. He'll he can go independent I th- I think so too. and probably He's... make more even more money doing that. So. Yeah, I think so. No, I think I, I do like Joe Rogan as a podcaster, and I think he's uh, he makes good points. I, I yeah, on both. And I think the fact that he is willing to interview people of both sides of a certain opinion, I, I think that makes him one of the best, uh, one of the, one of the best out there. Because uh, speaking of speaking of corporations uh, getting a little bit too heavy handed, what we see in Canada with the trucking convoy protest. Uh, that GoFundMe has is I suppose dicking around with the money that's already been donated. Yeah. <laughs> now you you are geographically closer to the uh, to to the situation. Would you like to tell? Yeah, me I'm about the... six six hours from Ottawa. That's oh, my the... drive, so that's not, <laughs> I can drive up there right now. But so the... <laughs> my uh, my understanding is that a whole lot of truckers are converging on Ottawa for the purposes mm-hmm. of protesting. And That's right. this this yeah. isn't the first time this kind of thing, this kind of thing has happened. Uh, I know in Australia there has been. Uh, convoys of truckers, you know, circling around Parliament House in Canberra, the capital of Australia. Smaller versions of it, right? Yeah, yeah, yep. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> so, um, yeah. So, so truck truckers getting together and uh, slowing down traffic, you know, is is, is yeah. nothing new. But why are GoFundMe being so skittish about it? Um, I think GoFundMe is got the same situation we just talked about with Spotify, where I think um, they are they. Uh, collected, I think something like nine or ten million dollars to support this uh, this convoy in mm-hmm. Ottawa, yep. and I think it's clearly viewed as a right wing thing. I think the government in, in Canada does not like it and wants it to stop. And I think um, the the left leaning government here in the U.S. does not like it and wants it to stop. And I think that uh, um, GoFundMe is just got all the same pressures that Spotify and everybody else has where the left is good at causing problems for corporations. And I think typically they back off and that's exactly what GoFundMe did. Um, they've done that a couple other times where, mm-hmm. you know, the Kyle Rittenhouse trial is a good example uh, yes. where, yeah, yeah. you know, they, they pulled funds from someone that had collected a bunch of money often because it's somebody on the right. And this, this trucker rally is the same deal where it's somebody on the right. And so they, they've uh they pulled the funds and it's unfortunate now with that being said i think the lesson learned for anybody on the right is don't use gofundme yeah like i'm i'm always surprised when people do that i'm like of course they're going to do it they've done it several times already is don't don't use them there's other other similar uh services out there that tend to be a little uh less quick to pull the funds so i think they 
They because need to do I, that I find it, I, I do find it interesting that GoFundMe are dicking around with the money dedicated to the Canadian truckers, even though they haven't actually done anything actually wrong except for hold up traffic and make some noise. Whereas yeah. if you do a Google search for GoFundMe Black Lives Matter, you know, yeah. you you will yeah. find you know at least half a dozen half a dozen fundraisers. Um, I was having a look before our chat. Um, the one of the organisers for Black Lives Matter Los Angeles has raised over three million dollars. Yes, and yet yeah. we, we we can point to a whole litany of you know bi- number of businesses that have been destroyed, people who have yeah. been assaulted, um, all yep. this kind of stuff by people in the name of Black Lives Matter. Yep. Yeah. And GoFundMe well, are the- com- completely silent it's like okay yeah it's just more more of the same where um it's a complete for these corporations it's a completely different calculus like conservatives will complain about that but they won't do anything right Mm. like if if um the fact that these guys used gofundme to raise that money shows that because gofundme did the same thing with kyle rittenhouse they did the same thing with pro trump stuff the stop Mm -hmm. the steal stuff so they've like done a bunch of stuff already and conservatives don't we're so used to corporations screwing us over that we we keep using them it's like amazon does that all the time these corporations will basically silence and blackball us and and we don't protest them if this was a liberal rally they would never use a corporation that had screwed them over a couple of times. So like, that's the crazy thing is like they, there's a, a, a different attitude on the right and the left towards corporations. And the, the right is kind of like this dog that's been beat too much or whatever mm. that just submits and backs off every single time. And it's, you know, it's, it's frustrating to me. And this is where like, I'm, my book, for example, I don't use Amazon. I refuse to sell it on Amazon because of some of the stuff they've done to conservatives and people like me. Like, I'm just like, why should I support them in any way, even if it's just a small amount? You know, like, I, I don't have any desire to support them. So, but in general, the right is bad at that. We're just terrible at, at uh, leaving them with a cost. And so, corporations like GoFundMe see that. Corporations like Amazon see that, Spotify sees that. It's just, I mean, it's it's basic stuff. The crazy thing about Black Lives Matter is that they actually, in the midst of all those riots in 2020, mm. all kinds of corporations were committing money to them. Oh, I know. So like this Chase is a- Bank offered to give them money, and like they ended up collecting millions and millions of dollars from major corporations as they're burning cities down. Like it's the I'm craziest not- thing. So if I'm not mistaken, the the leader of Black Lives Matter bought a house in one of the most yeah. most white wealthy white suburbs in in California. Yeah, <laughs> it's it was like, a, a giant hypocrisy. She's somebody that claims to be a communist, and she's also like leading Black Lives Matter, and she buys a, a multi million dollar house in a just white down the road from Harry yeah, and Meghan. Crazy, yeah, yeah, it's an insane story. <laughs> it is indeed. Now, I did re- briefly want to touch on uh, racism, racism as well. Um, when you were talking about Joe Rogan use, using the N word, now I'm not going to use it for the purposes of, of this podcast, though. Yeah, it's a. Now I got into a bit of a heated uh, argument with someone uh, about this. And someone said, "Oh, so you re- you're really, really desperate to say the N word?" I said, "No, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not desperate to say the N word. I just don't believe that people own words. 
I, I don't yeah. believe that you know certain certain ethnic or racial or people groups have the right to dictate what words can and can't be used by other by by other other groups. You know, for example, yeah. and this this is one yeah. of the weird things is that we have to say the n word. Though we all know what the N-word is. But for something like cracker or honky or redneck yeah, or, yeah. or something, you know, that seems to be, you know, that Socially seems to be perf- yeah. Yeah, exactly, per- perf- perfectly acceptable. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I just don't get the, you know, I've, well, I, I get the, I get the racial, the racial connotations about it, but you can't say, it's just really weird. Like I get told that the N-word is used to, oppr- to oppress black people. Yeah, if I load up a, a rap album on my on my uh, my Apple Music uh, corporations for the win, um, you know, if if I load up a rap album by let's say Jay Z Jay Z or you know Lil Pump or yeah Lil Wayne or something, you know, you can guess how many N words are used yes, just in right, one right. in one sentence. Yeah. <laughs> so are those black people oppressing other black people? And it's a little bit like um, the word bitch, and this is ironic in that yeah, it's another word that was offensive, like. People may not realise, but bitch is actually the word in used in veterinary circles to describe a female dog. Yes. Yeah. So, yep. what gave human, what gave people the right to take a word that was used in a strictly scientific word to then mean a word that belittles belittles women and has then yeah. become an in some in some instances a, a, a thing of affection as well. You know, like yeah. between mates, you know, you say, like, hey, bitch, how's it going? <laughs> you know, yeah, or, yeah. or stopping and stopping a little bitch or, or something like that. Yeah. So yeah. I, I just, I, I have no burning desire to use the N word. I just don't yeah. want people to give me spurious excuses as to why I can't use the N word. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I feel like language is always weird where it's, um, it's constantly changing meaning and changing implications. Um, but my big thing on the N word is like, it is, I understand it's racism when you say it to someone in a derogatory way, Indeed. you say it to a black person, you know, like there's a horribly mean thing to do and it shouldn't be done. Um, but when you're using it in a um, talking about the history of the word or, or singing a song that has the word in it or whatever, mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. that's not right. Ra- it's simply not a racist thing. And it's no. stupid. I agree with you. Like to say that because your skin color is a certain color, you can't use that word. But if somebody else <laughs> with a different skin color can use that word, like it's just a, it's a crazy thing. So I, I think, I mean, obviously there's so much sensitivity on it. You and I haven't used it even as we're talking about it and mm. people know what we're talking about. And like, nobody wants the controversy that Joe Rogan's going through. But with that being said, like, it's so, it, it there's so many things where about it, where you, it's, everyone knows how ridiculous it is and yet we all kind of go along with it it's not a magic word and nobody owns it and like no. it it you know just i would say in general don't be racist and don't be mean to people uh, exactly based on race but that that word is people treat it with this weird reverence that i think is uh is not reached a point of ridiculousness yeah. well th- th- like i was watching a video from uh i don't know if you i don't know if you still got a big profile but there was a youtuber called the amazing atheists okay. um, I-, I think the guy's name is tj kirk and he runs a channel called the amazing atheist and he was talking about this this very very topic and he came up with like a really good analogy he said which is more racist now i'm going to use the word negro 
Um, Negro Jim from Huckleberry Finn is my favourite character in the book. <laughs> or mm-hmm. black people don't deserve the vote because they're so dumb and, and stupid. Which one of those is more racist? <laughs> and and it's yeah, clear yeah. that the the idea that black people shouldn't shouldn't vote because of their uh, their perceived lack of intelligence is more racist. But yeah. if I said Negro Jim is my favorite character, oh, he yeah, you know, he, you use yeah, you use the word, word. right? Yeah, 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 yeah exactly. Yeah, so that's yeah. kind of where. Um, yeah, it is. It that is. A, you're right. That's it's the intent and the meaning is so much more important than whether or not you actually use the word. There's no question. And one of the things I also want to briefly mention about, um, as as part of a uh, my PlayStation membership, uh, Sony, another corporation. Thank you very much. <laughs> Love corporations. They're unavoidable. Uh, <laughs> Uh, every month on the PlayStation Network, they give out uh, free games. And one of the free games they gave out recently was a game called Mafia 3. Um, you can kind of guess the idea of the game. It's called Mafia. Uh, it's the third game in the series. And mm-hmm. it's set in Louisiana during the 60s. And one of the things that they say uh, like during the loading screen is that you know they haven't pulled any punches with regards to racism. And to hide the to hide the racism is to commit an injustice against the people who suffered racism during that time. And so when you're playing the game, you know, you'll be, it's a bit like Grand Theft Auto. If you've, if you've played Grand Theft Auto, it's, a, it's an open world game where you can go down streets and come across uh, non-playable characters and you overhear conversations. And, you know, you'll hear lots of references to colored folks, you know, what, you know, like, so the character you play is, is black. And as you're walking down the street, you know, you'll hear, oh, why are they letting colored people in now? And like, if you walk through a warehouse, you'll see like a shower for whites and a shower for colored people and, you know, and stuff like that. And I think it's great how they, they haven't shied away from what it was like at the time. And Mm -hmm. I think by, by not shying away, it's actually an educational experience. So for me... For me, being in Australia, um, I'm obviously I've only been to America once when I was a, when I when I was a wee, wee little boy. Um, you know, I don't have a how can I say I don't have a deep concept of what the racism was like. But if you can show people through things like video games or films or stuff like that, then I think that's a better way of teaching people about racism and the evils of racism rather than cowing people into fear because they use a particular word even though they didn't use that particular word in any hostile or derogatory derogatory way yeah 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 the crazy thing is when i was a kid um so i was growing up in the 90s Mm -hmm. um my people it's not like race racism wasn't um considered wrong by everybody in school and media etc and it's not like people didn't talk about it. People did, right? So there was widespread knowledge of, um, hey, don't hate people based on race. A lot of bad things happened in the past. There was discussions on mm-hmm. you know, segregation and all that stuff. And yet there wasn't the same. It's almost like things have gone backwards where now people are focused on minor microaggressions um well, and they're, they're focused and, on their feelings this is the thing yeah, they're focused yeah, on yeah. because i'm offended my offense is the standard by which you should modify your behavior yeah yeah it, you're right it's it's not so much what you intended 
it's what it made me feel like. So even if you like, if you're the most opposed to racism as possible, but we heard this conversation and you said it was okay to say, you know, your favorite character was whoever from, from Mark Twain. And that made me feel bad. Therefore, like, I want to cancel you just based on my feelings, not based on how you, what you intended, but based on my feelings, you should be canceled. And I think that unfortunately that's where we are as a society where it's, no Internet longer outrage culture. I yeah, it's, it's no called. longer about what was intended or where your heart was. It's did you or, use or, the right or what words? you're like as a person yeah. in general? Because let's right. say, yeah. you know, let's say I did say the N word, and people go, "Oh, you're racist." Well, yeah. it's very hard to be racist when I'm married to an Asian woman from overseas and I have numerous right. yeah. Chinese tattoos and my best friend <laughs> is Hispanic, converting yeah. to Judaism, and, yeah. and my yeah. neighbors are Indians. <laughs> it's yeah. Really, yeah, yeah, all this really yeah. weird stuff. Yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy, and it's it's reached a point where it's. In, I think it's less healthy. Like, um, uh, it's it's almost where you. Know, you would think the further we got away from kind of slavery and, and the Jim, Jim Crow, Crow laws yeah. and all that stuff, you would think things would get healthier. It's almost like it's gone backwards where it's oh, now sure. it's, yeah, I feel like there's more race tension than there was when I was a kid. And well, I feel because, like, and I think yeah. we can, we can sum that up in three letters, CRT. Yeah. Yep. Because yeah. um, like I am all for the teaching of the bad things that white people have done to black people. I'm, I'm sure. fine with that. I'd also be fine with, you know, teaching of what white people have done to other white people as well. I'd be fine with knowing about what black people have done to white people, for example, in Zimbabwe, where the government yeah. has basically commissioned death squads to take over white farmers. <laughs> you know, stuff stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's, it's not, a, I hate to say, it's... We we yeah. should learn and and that is interestingly the first chapter of my book is I talk exactly about what you just mentioned is that the whole conversation around race and slavery and all that is very much focused on kind of bad ones. what Western Western people did to African people and really the real story of race and slavery is a global story that's happened throughout the many many generations and. It's much more complicated than the story we tell. Mm, and I think mm. it is important to have those conversations because I think, unfortunately, one of the things that happens is you get true racism, but it's against white people where oh, like, indeed, I indeed. do believe I, you know, we had in, in the U S I don't know if you heard about it, um, but we had a Christmas parade in Wisconsin where an African-American gentleman, well, I shouldn't call him a gentleman monster got in his car oh, and yeah, mowed, yes, yes. mowed down yep. the parade. He like ran over little kids and stuff, killed at least six, seven people. And he did it. We know why he did it because he had rap songs about it and he had writings and statements that he had made, but he hated white people and he hated them largely based on, like you said, CRT and that kind of thing. Uh, and my understanding, he was also unhappy about the Carl Rittenhouse uh, verdict as yeah, well. Yeah, there, there's a very good possibility because he lived near there and it had just happened, you know, in the days prior. Um, and so that's very possible that he did. And okay. so, you know, a clear case of anti-white violence. Mm -hmm. And and that's certainly not the only case. Like there is a lot of anti-white yep. violence mm -hmm. and attitudes. And um, 
you know, I think it's important for us as a culture to not go from hating one race to flipping it and hating the other race. And yeah. you mentioned Zimbabwe. That's a great example. Or South Africa is another example where, yeah. yes, there was, there was white on black racism. Now there's black on white racism mm-hmm. and both should be condemned, right? Indeed, like both yes. should be considered hateful and bad yep. and mean. And we need to get away from both of them. So. Because one of the other talking points, um, how much longer you've got, Lewis? I've got about five minutes here. So, okay, yeah. no worries. Because one of the one of the major talking points now, this may be out of sync with when I release this episode, but uh, Whoopi Goldberg uh, got a two week suspension from The View because of a uh, her view that the Holocaust wasn't to do with the race, but it was to do with man's inhumanity to man. Now yeah. that got a um, she then uh, faced some heat. She went on the Stephen Colbert show to uh, I think I think she tried to apologize. Um, I'm not too sure how <laughs> and well failed. Yeah, it failed. And um, I think the problem is she really believes what she said. So she went on Stephen Colbert and largely repeated what she had said on the view. <laughs> so it's a little it's a little bit weird, but no, I like it, she was right in the like she was right in the same way that guns don't kill people, people kill people, people thing. <laughs> you know, yeah, it's like, yeah, yeah, it's, yeah. I think it was just, I think what she was trying to say was that it was white people versus not so white people. Um, you know, yeah, it's just a bit yeah. of a clunky, uh, a clunky thing, but do I, yeah. do I think she should have been canceled? Well, no, I actually, you know, I don't think she was right, but I also don't think she was trying to, yeah. You know, it's it's just yeah weird, to can't to cancel is just ridiculous. Like honestly, like what what is canceling going to do for Whoopi Goldberg? What's it going to do for the audience? I mean, like, does anybody actually need her to be canceled? Like, I just feel like it's so stupid. Where well, like her, her it, who, show who, is so far it? left anyway, so yeah, it doesn't yeah. really. You know. Who's it help? Yeah, who's it helping to cancel her? And my thoughts on that whole thing is like. Is she wrong? Yes. Obviously, the Nazis were racist. They hated mm-hmm. Jews for ethnic reasons. So she's wrong. But I would also at the argue, same time, I would also know, argue for uh, financial and cultural reasons as well. I think, yeah, right, I think race, reasons, race was a yeah, part yeah. of it. But yeah, yeah. you have to look at the backdrop of post World War One, pre World War Two, sure. when inflation, yeah. unemployment, the reparations from the Treaty of Versailles, all had yeah. created this basket basket case economy that Germany was. Yeah. That um. Yeah. Yeah, no, no, there's that's definitely true, and I think the, um, but I I think the the other crazy thing just to tie back to what we had talked about is like the interesting thing to me is that Jewish people were like, do not call us white, like they were offended by being called white, <laughs> and like I'm like, what's the matter with being white? I'm white, like I just this anti-white racism is so bad now. Where like if you 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 have one thousandth minority blood you're like i'm a minority <laughs> you know, it's like nobody wants to be white anymore you know so it's uh it's that i think that shows how racist our culture is against white people now it's crazy but, yeah uh, i think it is because i'm like if you say it's like if i said it's okay to be black everyone go yeah celebrate being black if i go it's okay yeah. to be white huh you're racist. a white <laughs> you know where, 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 where's your mugger hat yeah <laughs> yeah that's uh, crazy but, it is uh, indeed um, well uh, Lewis, I'm going to give a final word before we uh, end, end the show and um, leave you on your merry way. All right. Well, very good. Well, hey, thanks uh, for having me on. I don't necessarily have a final word. It seems like this was a good conversation. We agreed on a lot more than we disagreed. I think uh, 
obviously on the flood a little bit of differences but uh, everything else a uh, good conversation so always nice to talk to you some often we're clashing online or, or in, even in previous podcasts but this uh it's nice every once in a while i'll take a break and talk about some stuff we agree on indeed in that case i'll have the final word in that i think we as society do need to handle disagreements better um, and one of the reasons I do this with you is that, you know, I, we have that level of respect for each other where we disagree on some things, we agree on some things, but behind the scenes, we're, we're buddies, we're friends, yep. we share, yeah. we share about yeah. personal things. And I think, you know, humanity would be a lot better if we learnt to yeah. disagree with the opinion, but respect the man. Yeah, I agree. I agree. And all the more important for free speech, right? If, Indeed. If I if I could silence your point of view or you could silence mine, I think we'd both be worse off. So I think it's uh, good to have open and honest conversations. So thanks that's for having me. Last, that's a great last word, Lewis. Thank you very much. All right. Thanks, Damien. <laughs>